0: This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Brian Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. So you guys all bring your notes? You guys grab your notes when you came in today? Oh, it's gonna be a good morning. Well, we're starting a new series today entitled, Less of Me, More of Him. Less of me, more of him. Let's say it together, less of me, more of him, John three thirty. You guys know this verse of scripture. It's found uh, um, in John, and it says, obviously, John three thirty. I'm sorry. There's a lot of notes up here. In case you didn't know, just sifting through them. John three thirty says he must increase and I must decrease. I don't know that we like to hear that, right? We don't like to to feel that, but it says. He must increase, I must decrease. I like what some of these other versions say. It says, he must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. Uh, Weymouth's translation says, he must grow greater, and I must grow less. So that so that tells me that this is a process. It's a continuing process where we where he must grow greater and then the last one is this, Jesus must become more important while I become less important. Wow. Think about that. Becoming less important, becoming, you know, less He's t- John's telling us that we need to become less so that he be- he can become more. And so, you know, I was thinking about just this whole concept of him being greater and us being less. And I thought about this idea of the ways that we measure things, right? Well, there's all these different ways. We measure time. We measure fluid. We measure space. We measure all of these different things. And and uh, a few interesting ways that we measure things is Roman merchants used to use from the middle of their nose to the end of their, their hand was 36 inches. But when I read that, I was thinking, well, what about all the short people, right? That have shorter, shorter arms? Did they get a full yard on that deal or not? I'm sorry. I'm not trying to offend anybody here. I'm just joking, okay? If you're short, it's okay. You can still measure a yard. So uh, here's one. This is a funny one. A dash. A dash. In cooking, they say in some of the ingredients, you know, it's, it's a dash. Some say it's eight shakes of a, of a pepper shaker. It's like, what? Like a dash, really? That's how we're gonna measure something? I like this one. How many of you guys know that this is a legitimate measurement called the Mickey? Yeah, I know, I read it. Listen to this. A Mickey is a unit of measurement for the smallest possible movement of a computer mouse. One two hundredth of an inch or 0.1 a millimeter. You guys will never run your mouse the same way, will you? Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse, Mickey. So when when I'm moving it, it's a Mickey. I don't know, it's crazy. (laughs) Listen to this one, donkey power. Donkey power, it's it's actually a fun-loving, playful uh, engineering term that defines 250 watts, are also one-third of a horsepower one third of a horsepower. So I guess, you know, you guys out there with your big trucks, you're going to have to do the equation on that to figure out how many donkey power your truck has. Okay. Whatever. Okay. So here's, here's one that in our house, I, I actually unscrewed this from the wall. How many of you guys have one of these in your house when you, or when you were raising kids, right? To measure your kids. This is, I know, you guys are judging my majoring boards. like, there's no numbers on there, Brian. I know, I know. I'm not done with it yet, okay? I, I'm 10 years into this project. It's hanging on the wall. We're making the marks. We don't have the numbers. Give me a little bit of grace, okay? But, But this is, you know, we've got... We got Ollie down here. This was on January 14th. He was this tall right here, you know, but we've got Will and we've got Andrew and we've got Emily and we've got Lauren and Lizzie, our niece, and then myself, you know, now I, I leave myself up at the top and I don't want to measure anybody else. Like I would never measure dad because I don't want him to surpass me on the measuring stick of life, Right. But you know we do that. We we have these things in our lives that we we measure. We measure things, and unfortunately, I think sometimes uh, it's not the healthiest thing. You know why is it? You know what is it that you measure your life by here on earth? You know what is your quote unquote measuring stick? of your of your life i think you know some of the things that i thought of uh you know when i was preparing is uh some of the things that you see today are likes shares and comments so if you're on social media and you're you're posting things you're looking for a reaction and so you know as those numbers go up you 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 become more Uh, you feel better about yourself, and you measure what it is that you post based upon on that. You know, uh, I, I found this one study that said that likes, loves, and shares are the currency of social media. They determine the popularity of a profile, an image, or a video. For adults and young people alike, a like and a share represents social approval. Why is it that likes, shares, and loves represents social approval? Why do we measure it that way? It goes on to say that research shows that young people see them as affirmation or validation from their peers that make them feel good about themselves. I think it's so sad that we live in a culture in which we measure our affirmation and our validation based on likes, shares, and loves. That's a sad place to to look to, uh, uh, um, to, to give us value. It's not a good place. You know, another thing is ribbons, plaques, and trophies. Ribbons, plaques, and trophies. Recently, somebody sent me a video. I will not say the date or the time of this video, but it was a long time ago. And this video was of me at State Track running in the finals of the 110 high hurdles. I won't name the date, because that will date me. But my son said, who are you? Which one are you? And I, I pointed, and he's like, well, did you win? And I was like, no, I I didn't win. I got second, you know, and I just looked down, you know. And so, you know, and I'm sure there's a medal around somewhere. But, you know, think about it, guys. All these years later, no one cares. No one cares. (laughs) They don't. They really don't care. But yet, but why is it that we measure, you know, our lives by ribbons, plaques, Accomplishments. You know, another one I put down here was, you know, this, this idea of trying. We try to do things. We strive to do things. We push. And I think those are all healthy, but it's like we try, strive, and push in order to obtain. And we think that when we obtain that thing, then we we have success or we've accomplished something. Or, you know, and, and it's unhealthy. And we measure it. Well, I haven't attained this or I haven't gotten this. And so we, we see ourselves as, as lesser. Another thing is race. Title accolades and career accomplishment these are all levels you know that we use as a measuring stick in life that, that just like in social media it 's like we attribute that to being you know our, our validation that, that validates us as that we've done something and that we've accomplished something and and we place our value in these things, this this measuring stick of life and we're well, I'm right here and thank God this guy's down here and this guy's down here and I'm gonna you know it's this ladder of success that we're trying to climb and, and, and that is really a bad measuring stick for life. That's, that's the whole point of what it is that I'm talking about today is that, that you know, I think that we can all fall into that, that temptation or that trap, so to speak, where we measure our life on a, 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 to, to things that we shouldn't be measuring our life to. And so in a world in which we live, these are the measuring stick. You know, and this reminds me of uh, Philippians 3 when Paul told uh, the Philippian church, listen to this, I wanna read this to you uh, in the message version, it's in Philippians 3, 7. It says, the very, this is Paul talking about his life because what you gotta remember about Paul is, is that he had a very, very long list of accolades, ribbons, you know, likes, shares, all these things. It was, it was long, but listen what he says about this. It says, the very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash. It goes on to say, all of these things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. And then it goes it goes on down here at the very uh, at verse ten. I gave it all up, that inferior stuff. So Paul called it inferior. Some versions uh, called it dung, like dung. Like you guys get what dung is, right? I mean, my very first job was scooping dung. In a in a pig pig barn after the pigs were born. I mean, it was this deep. And I go down there with a raincoat and I'm 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 pushing this stuff out of a door. And and that is what Paul is attributing the things, the the, the accolades, the ribbons, the likes, the shares. He's saying, listen, all of that stuff is worthless. It's it's not worth the, the the energy and the effort that you are putting into it, that you're measuring your life based on what it is that you accomplish, based on what it is that you do, the 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 peak at which you reach. He's saying it's all worthless. And for Paul, what did he go on to say? He's like, All it's all, you know, for me, all of that stuff's worthless. But really what's most important is knowing God. That's what he said and and went on to say there in in Philippians. And and so, you know, when it comes to this, um, we can't be consumed with these things. We can't be consumed with what the world is being consumed with. No, Paul was consumed with knowing God. He said that it was everything. I like what the uh, Amplified says. It says, my determined purpose is to know him. I am consumed with knowing and being, com- becoming more deeply acquainted with him and acqu- uh, uh, continually transformed. So here he is, he's focused, he's not, he's not living his life based on what he did in the past. He's like, no, man, all of that stuff is worthless. I am, I'm looking forward to what it is that's in the future and knowing him. Why? So that I can be transformed and changed into what it is that he's called us to be. So in your notes, this is kind of the comment that I want you guys to walk away f- with and kind of say to yourself, and that is, what consumes you will control you. Whatever consumes your life will control you. And if it's status, if it's likes, if it's shares, comments, accomplishments is what consumes your life, that's the way you will continue to live your life. You will continue to live your life to get that stuff. You will you'll do whatever it is that, that it takes to get that. You'll be consumed with it. But unfortunately, we know and we've seen here and we'll see more that, that, that trying to do that or being consumed with those things that the world is consumed with is going to leave us empty and, and, and lost. And God has a much better way for you and I as believers to, to pursue and to be consumed by him. And, and so, you know, um, popularity and keeping up with the Joneses, spending money on, on things that, that, you know, spending money we don't have for people that we don't even like. And that's what our world is consumed with is, is just, you know, one step higher, one step uh, upgrading, doing all of these things that we are, if we're not careful, we will get caught up in this this, this consuming, consuming mentality where we're engrossed and consumed. And, 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 it, and I was actually talking with an individual this, this week that, You know, the consuming can be in any part of your life. I mean, the list for all of us is so long. We can be consumed with thinking, what we're thinking. We can think, 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 think things to death and just be consumed with a thought that's maybe not even biblical or, or is not even true, that's something maybe that the enemy has planted in your life and you're just consumed with thinking that thought over and over, day after day. And, and, and it could be time, it could be money, it could be that you're consumed with desires, it could be uh, uh, that you're consumed with spending. I don't know what it is. But you do. And I know that the Holy Spirit is going to work on you today when it comes to that thing in which you are consumed with that is not the best. It's not God's best for your life. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to challenge you to become, to have that, con- that thing that, that consumes you be less. Let Him be more, let Him increase, and you or that thing that consumes you. Be decreased, Amen. And so I want to look today here at the uh, at John thir- three, and I want to look at this example of John the Baptist, which is is the individual that made this comment, and the disciples. And what we can learn here is, is that we can learn uh, some great, very great things about the disciples and the things that they were consumed with. And then we can look at John's life and his response, and we can see what he knew what he knew in his heart, what he knew in his life that helped him to not be consumed by what it was that we see that the the disciples were, but not only that, today in the day and age that we live, people all around us are consumed with. And so let's look here. In John 3, it's in your notes or up on the screen. I'm gonna read it here in the message version, just the first part of it, but it says that Jesus went on with his disciples into the uh, Judean countryside and was baptizing, right? So this is Jesus. He's going out and he's baptizing. And at the same time, okay, at the same time, John was baptizing uh, near Salim and where the waters were abundant. John's disciples, listen to this, John's disciples got into an argument with the established Jews over the nature of baptism. So that's the first thing is, is they got into an argument. They go on. They came to John and said, Rabbi, you know the one that, uh, who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one that you authorized? He basically, John was speaking with, about Jesus. The, the disciples are saying Jesus, the man that was on the other side. He's now competing with us. The disciples say this. The disciples go to John and they say, Jesus is competing with us about baptizing people. Is that not like the goofiest thing in the world? It's a little kind of like uh, disciples, are you guys not you know, in this to, you know, together? We're gonna do this, you know we're all preaching the same thing. Look what it goes on to say. He's baptizing too and everyone is going to him instead of to us. That's pretty selfish if you ask me, right? So I want to point. I want to point out uh, three things that these these individuals were were consumed by. The first one is in verse 25. It says that the disciples got into an argument. And so number one in your notes is is that oftentimes we are consumed with being right. Right? Anybody else in here ever been consumed with being right? Here the other night, I'm not right very often, but the other night my wife was looking for uh, uh, something in the children's department. It was a big giant uh, uh, dice that they play this game with. Well, she couldn't find it, which is crazy in and of itself, okay, that she could not find it. So she's texting me and I, I come strolling over there. I was like, I will find your dice, right? She's like, it's not in that room. I'm like, oh, no, it's in that room. So I said it was in that room the other day. It was, it was right on top of the counter. And so I walk in there, and she's off looking for this dice. But it wasn't on the counter anymore. It had gotten moved down to a lower place, and there was a box on top of it. But when I walked in the door, I saw the five dots, and I'm like, there's the dice. So I got to walk out of the room with the dice. I was like, yeah, I'm right. And, I, and actually, she said, yeah, you guess you were right. And I said, so I actually had some witnesses there. Let's see, who was there? Uh Stephen Kay. Stephen Kay and another person. And I said, we need to document this day that I was right. But how often are we consumed? Not me. Let's not look at me. Let's let's talk about ourselves now here. I mean, you guys have kids. We got kids that are in this place. Sometimes they get into squabbles over, you know, different things. They're fighting and they're wanting to be right. I think as husbands and wives. This was a joking matter. We have a great marriage. I just want you guys to know that. <laughs> but it's all seriousness. There are times in marriage where it's like, we can be prideful. and We can come into a place in our life where it's like, I am right. I don't want to be wrong. And so I'm going to push until I win. And I'm going to push until... I'm right, and you admit that I'm right. Listen, if you have problems in your marriage, maybe you need to ask yourself the question, am I consumed with being right? Because a lot of the differences that we have as couples and in, in, in relationships, it doesn't amount to a hill of beans. Does it really matter if you're right or, or not? Oftentimes it's no, but if you wanna to continue to you know, be consumed with being right, you're going to eat the fruit thereof. Absolutely. And so I just encourage you to not go down that road because look at what Proverbs 15 says. It says that the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to counsel. So if I am consumed with being right, the Bible tells me that I'm a fool. I don't wanna be a fool. So I'm just gonna make a decision that I am not gonna be consumed with being right. Look at what Proverbs 30, 12 says. It says, there is a generation that are pure in their own eyes. Or you could read it this way. There is a generation that is right in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. So this just, this just solidifies this idea that, listen, if you, if you are consumed that way, if you're consumed with being right, you're a fool. But not only that, there's probably things in your life that you need to adjust. Uh, there's a verse of scripture in the New Testament that talks about that, you know, when you're looking at someone else's fault or you're wanting to be right, maybe look at the plank that is in your own eye. And so it goes it just goes back to this idea that, that the disciples, man, they were fighting, they were fighting with these established Jews, these people that were keeping the rules and they're 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 consumed with being right. And so we can see that That was not a good thing. You know, another place in uh, Matthew, you remember, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees about measuring up and because the Pharisees were consumed with just the rules, the regulations, and all of these things, and Jesus called them prideful. And so we can see three, three different illustrations that, you know, it's, it's you're going to be considered a fool, you're considered prideful, and your ways are not going to be real good if you are consumed with being right. And so the, that leads us to the next thing that the disciples were consumed with, and that's in verse 26. It says, the disciples said, he's competing with us. These followers of John were looking, they're, they're, they had to be sitting there watching across the way to where Jesus was with the other disciples and they had to be looking at and, and watching and seeing what it was that was going down. And they were, it, it, that, that is really what stuck out to me is that they were watching with their eyes. They were looking at what it was that was going on. How oftentimes do we do that? Do we look at someone else? We look at something else. We look at what someone else drives. We look at what they're doing we, and we compare. And that's essentially what the, the disciples were doing. And so that leads us to number two, they were consumed with comparison. Looking at all the people that followed Jesus and being baptized uh, by Jesus, they compared how they were doing they compared the job that they were doing, they compared the numbers that they were baptizing, they compared the influence that they had to the job that Jesus was doing, the numbers that Jesus had, the the, the, the crowd, the likes, the shares, they were comparing their life to Jesus. And so they were consumed with comparing. And 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says this, it says, not that we we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who uh, are condemning themselves but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another what's it say they are without understanding so wow I'm without understanding if I am a person that compares myself, if I am consumed with comparing. And so that, that's the second thing is, is that the comparison is a killer. If we want to live life to the fullest and, 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 and be all that God has called us to be, we, if we get into this trap and, com, and are consumed with comparing, as the disciples were, we're going to miss a lot of what it is that God has for us. We can't be consumed by comparison like the uh, disciples were. The third thing that they were consumed by is in verse twenty-six, and that says uh, that he's baptizing too. So, and everyone's going to him instead. Can you imagine? I, I, can, I can. I can just picture my. Uh, and and they're all going to him instead. They're like crying and whining, like everybody's going to Jesus and we're not popular anymore. You guys, you guys get the feeling that these disciples had that it was just kind of a whiny, kind of consumed by themselves, more of them and what they wanted and them being popular. That's, that's really what we're getting here. And so number three is, is that as they compared, they were consumed by their feelings. They're consumed by their feelings, and I'm sure as they compared what they were doing to the number of people, these thoughts ran wild in their mind. They just continued to consider and and look at it, And, and these feelings came in. I think that they had feelings like that they were less than. I think that another feeling that they had was they were not as important. They weren't as popular. They were outdone. They were unsuccessful. They were doing something wrong. They were failing. They weren't good enough. How many of you guys have ever had that feeling in your life? Are those feelings because possibly you're consumed with one of these things that we're talking about this morning? Possibly. You know, have you ever been consumed by any of these feelings? I know in my personal life, I've absolutely been consumed with some of these feelings. Personally? Personally? I mean, you know, you question if you're doing the right thing. If you you know, you look, you have a tendency to kind of compare and look and you question your life and what it is that you're doing, your success and 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 it, it, you know, do I stack up and you and I I've fallen into that trap. There's times that we've been to to conferences. I'm a pastor and I I go to these conferences and you start looking around. You look at what they have. You look at the speaker and how they get up and they so eloquently communicate and they're, all of their points are perfect and you, you begin to look at that and compare yourself and you begin to start having and be consumed by these feelings that you're less than, that maybe, oh, good, I can't do that. I might as well just sit down on the front row and let him do it. We fall into this trap where we're consumed by these feelings. And, and the problem is, is that I believe that the enemy, he will uh, subtly consume you with these feelings to basically cause you to be ineffective in what it is that you've been called to do. And, and can I tell you that what you've been called to do, even though it may not be, you know, a quote unquote fivefold ministry, what you are called to do is important. And if you're consumed by the feelings, the place and the position in which God has called you, whether it be a business owner, whether it be a person that works for a business, whether it be uh, you know, a person that works for a corporation, there is a place that he has called you to be effective. But if you live your life consumed by those feelings of being less than, what, what happens is, is that you draw back. You draw back and you become, you, you become shy. And you don't become bold, you don't become, you know, that person that God has called you to be, to be the influence in the place that he has called you to to be and to influence. And so it's so important that we are not consumed with feelings because there is a calling that God's placed on our lives, there is a position. There are people that need to be reached And so we can't allow these feelings to to keep us from that. And so do you think that our gracious Heavenly Father wants us to live lives being consumed with being right, being consumed with comparison, or being consumed with feelings? Absolutely not. He does not, he, he's gracious, and he wants us to, to live on a higher level, and I think that that's why, you know, as we'll look here at what John was really talking about is, is that don't be like the disciples, don't be like these guys, man, that followed me, and they were consumed with all these things. No, we'll get to what it is that John said here in a minute, because, because God was exalted in this, in this thing, and so we are, we, when we measure by the world's standards, we will never measure up, Right? I actually thought about putting some labels on this, this measuring stick. You know, and there's all these labels that the world has for us. But can I tell you that if we're shooting for that label, we're always gonna come up short. We're gonna spend our lives giving our life to measuring up and that's what a lot of people do. And, and as believers, we just gotta make sure that we don't fall into that trap because the enemy wants us to just continue to shoot for what the world's measuring stick has for us. But it's so much greater than that. And so look at what's uh, here, number four, uh, the number four thing that John said The biggest one that people are consumed with and I think is trying to get. Verse 27, uh, John says that no one can receive anything from God unless uh, God gives it from heaven. So you can't and you won't receive from God unless you give. But yet we, as, as human beings, if we live our lives based on this measuring stick of the world, all we're gonna do is continue to try to get. Try to get the love that we want. Try to get the acceptance that we want. Try to get the raise. Try to get the job. Try to get all of the things that the world has to offer. We spend our lives trying, 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 trying. That's not God's best. And so we can't be consumed with this idea of trying to get. You know, Paul uh, warned about this in 2 Timothy, um, this, this idea of trying to get. And I want to read it in the Passion Translation today. It'll be up on the screen. It's in your notes there. It says, but when you need to be, uh, you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce and difficult for the people of God. Okay, so, so what's that telling you? Everybody around you, it's gonna be fierce. It's gonna be difficult, okay? It goes on in verse tw- two. It says, people will be self-centered lovers of themselves. And obsessed with money, they will boast of great things as they strut around in arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families and they will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander, slaves to their own desires. Whatever you're consumed by is what you will be controlled by. It. Whatever you're consumed by is what you will be controlled by. And, and, and I believe that Paul is really trying to help us to understand that, you know what? The world around us, it's going to get crazy. It's going to get wild. It's going to get ferocious. Don't let yourself be a part of that. Don't let yourself be consumed with yourself, with more of me, more of what I want, more of what I think I have to have, more of my feelings, more of, of, of my comparison, more of my trying to get what it is that I want. That's more of me. When you're consumed with yourself, it's about me, 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 more of me. The exact opposite of less of me, less of me. And so let's, let's look here you know, at what John answered these guys because I think it's profound when it comes to what it is that we're consumed by. Are you consumed with wrong things? That's between you and the Lord. Uh, John was not consumed with wrong things. Even in the midst of all of these people that were around him, these guys that were following him, who were upset, emotional, and focused on the wrong things, John remained sure of what he knew, of what he knew. Look at verse 28. It says that John told the disciples, I am not the Messiah, That was the first thing that he said to the the disciples after they went through this long list of things that they were consumed by. He said, I'm not the Messiah. So throughout John's life and ministry, people were attracted to him. They were attracted to him and he continually said, listen, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the Messiah. And so number one in your notes, the one thing that I believe that John knew or what he was saying to the disciples was, I know who I am. I know who I am. I'm not the Messiah. And and so do you know who you are? As As a believer, do you know who you are? Or are you trying to be something that you're not? Are you looking at other people? Are you comparing yourself? Are you trying to be somebody that God never made you to be? John was not doing that. He wasn't consumed with any of these things that we just got done talking about, man. He knew who he was. And as believers, we have to know who we are we have to be okay with wh- who we are now i'm not saying that, that that doesn't entitle us to live any way we want to live it doesn't entitle us to to uh uh sell off sin as nothing well it's just who i am no i'm saying that that that, that god has called you to be a man and a woman of god Amen. and you need to know who you are in christ you need to know how you are to live. You are to know how you are to walk. And that's what I believe John knew. He knew who he was. And he wasn't walking around looking at other people. He wasn't looking at Jesus and trying to be like Jesus and wear all of Jesus' clothes and comb his hair the way that Jesus combed his hair. He wasn't doing that. He knew who he was. And as believers, we need to know who we are. And, 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 and be okay. It's like, man, I. I am who I am. I have the voice that I have. You know, sometimes I'll listen to my messages back, I'm like, dear God, I do not like that, that is terrible. How could anybody listen to me? You know, and so we get critical of ourselves. But we have to be okay with who we are. We just have to know this is who I am, this is who God made me to be, and be okay with that. And just be, live life not consumed with trying to be somebody that we're not. That's what John was doing, and so, People spend their life trying to live up and measure up to something that they were never designed to live up to. I don't want to do that. I want to get to the end of my life. Uh, uh, Reed Hauser had a great message here a couple weeks ago, shared a video about when we get to heaven and and how uh, there's going to be a a time when we come and Jesus says, you know, evangelist so-and-so. And there's gonna be a lawyer that comes and said, I never called you to be a lawyer, I called you to be an evangelist. So it's so important that we know who we are, what it is that we've been called to do. And so, you know, uh, it could be that in your life there's something that your parents desired for you to be. And you're still trying to live out what they wanted you to do or to be. It could be that, that you were told when you were young or, or maybe last week that you're not enough. And you continually run into people that, 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 that in some way tell you that you're not enough or reinforce some lie that the enemy has told you for years. That's all an attempt to try to get you to not know who you are. You have to recognize the things that, that you know, if, if there's something in your life that is continually on repeat, 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 why do I keep hearing the same comment over and over again? Well, maybe we just need to get a clue that that's the enemy's attempt that one way into your life. It might be the crack that's in your armor. I would encourage you to find scriptures that cover that crack so that you can be strong in who it is that you know that you are. And, and so, you know, whether it's something your parents said, whether it's somebody that, uh, something somebody else told you, maybe you're consuming yourself with looking at other people whether it's external pressures, what people are saying, I don't know what it is. But you have to know who it is that you are. I brought a list so that you guys could get a jump start. Look what this says. Who you are is found in the word. If you want to know who you are, don't look at the measuring stick of life. Don't look at the world's measuring stick. You got to look at the word of God. Look at what it says. It says in Colossians 2:10, you're complete. So if you think you're not complete, you're complete in him. Uh, First Thessalonians, you're chosen, you're forgiven, you're free from sin, you're a conqueror. First Corinthians 7.17 says that you're called. Every single person in here. This this isn't just for one person. This is for all of us. Psalms 30 says that you're healed. Isaiah 41 says that you're not alone. Second Corinthians three says you're enough. If you think you're not enough, you're enough. God has made you enough. Psalms 84 says you're blessed. 1 Peter 2 says you're special to God. Psalms 139 says you're wonderfully made. So, do you know who you are? Because according to God, according to his word for you, you measure up. In every single area of life, you measure up. And so maybe instead of looking at the the measuring stick of the word world, you need to look at the measuring stick of the word of God in your life to find out who you are. And just like John, know that you're not the Messiah, but man, I'm John. I'm John the Baptist, man. I wear, you know, furry coats and a leather belt. And I'm sure this guy was a kind of wily looking dude, you know, probably smelled because he's been out in the wilderness. He didn't care. This is who I am. And I think that that's now how we need to live. We need to know who we are. Okay, I'm not saying don't take a shower. I'm just saying, you know, you get it. Know who you are. Know who you are. Verse 28 gives us a second thing that he knew. I am here to prepare the way for Jesus. John, number two, John was saying, I know my purpose. He knew who he was and he knew his purpose purpose. And you might be saying to yourself, well, Brad, I don't know my purpose. I don't understand the reason why I'm here. Can I tell you that I think that I know why you don't know your purpose, and that is, is that you're consumed with all of the wrong things. If you would go to the Word and begin to, number one, find out who you are, know who you are, and consume yourself with the Word of God... Each and every day, man, it's like, man, I'm, I'm going to consume myself. Slowly and step by step, I know that God and the Spirit of God will begin to, to solidify and clarify the purpose that you have on this earth. And, and, and it might be that you're in your place, you're in the right place. By his grace, you're in the right place but you're not sure of that purpose. You're not confident of that purpose. And, and, and when you go to the word, he will reinforce the 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 the, the why, the purpose here's why i have you here. here's what i want you to do. here are the people that i want you to influence. maybe as you look at the word of god, he might begin to reveal to you that you need to take a step into a different direction, into a different place, into into a place that he will lead and guide you. but but if we want to find that, if we want i was just talking to my daughter about that today. if we want to find that, we have to consume ourselves with him. we have to consume ourselves with wanting to know his plan and his purpose for our life. And when we do that, he'll show it to you, step by step, quote by quote. Just as you're reading, as you're praying, as you're going through life, he will direct your life so that just like John, you can know your purpose and you can be settled in it. You can be settled in the place. John was settled in his place. He was satisfied in his place. Uh, He had peace in his place. John knew his purpose and was doing his purpose. John was consumed by his purpose because he knew who he was. And the same thing can be true for you. the third and final thing is is this, John 3.30, he must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. John was saying, I know that less of me and more of him is the real and eternal success. So if you want a measuring stick in your life, the measurement is, is God becoming greater and greater? And am, am, am I becoming less and less? And if you can't answer that that question with honesty, if if your life is filled with more of you, more of what you want, more of what you wanna desire, more of what you think is right, more of the feelings that you have, I can honestly and, 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 and with confidence say that as you are growing more and more in yourself, God is growing less and less. You can say, well, I go to church and I pray and I read the Bible periodically. Well, guess what? That all might be true, but you are still filling yourself and growing yourself more and more and more and more. And he's becoming less and less and less. The Bible tells us that he's supposed to be the Lord of our life. If he's the Lord of our life, everything that's in our life is not off off limits, Lord. If I need to watch less of this, if I need to do less of this, if I need to spend more time doing this, he'll show you that as he becomes greater in your life. He'll show you, I want you to take a break from this. It's not bad, but it's become too great in your life, I want that to become less. And so it's good for us to go through life and, and, and allow him to speak to us about the things that maybe need to become less and less. That is the true measurement of eternal success in our lives, is if he's becoming greater and we are living a life of less, amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you today. I thank you so much for this opportunity and this word, Father, to share your word. Father, I know that your word does not return void, but it will accomplish. And I I just pray today, Father God, because I know that in in this midst and in, in the room, Father God, in which we are in, there are those, Father God, that have allowed their lives to be consumed. With every head bowed and every eye closed. This is this is this is the most important time of this of this place. And so if you could just Sit tight, we'll, we'll, we'll dismiss. But don't don't minimize the opportunity that you have between you and your Heavenly Father to make a decision and uh, to change in your life. Because it's in this moment where the Holy Spirit has begun to speak to your heart and to your life. And as I talked about at the beginning, it's those little foxes that'll spoil the divine. And so if the Lord and the Holy Spirit has been de- dealing with your life and your heart about something that is consuming your life, You need to get right with him. You need to say, Lord, that's me. And so today, just between you and the Lord, just with an uplifted hand, say, Lord, that's me. I've allowed, yep, I see those hands. You can put them right back down. I've allowed this thing to consume me, and today, with the raise of my hand, I am acknowledging that that has been consuming me, and from this point forward, I need your strength and your help for that thing in my life to become less so that you can become greater. And so we just thank you, Father God, for all those that raise their hand today to commit to you. Father, we do, as a church, as individuals, Father, we commit less of us and more of you. We want you to be magnified. We want you to be exalted in our lives, and we just thank you, Father, for that. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, we don't want to assume if there's anybody in here that you, you, know, you are far from God and you want to get right with him Maybe you've made a lot of poor decisions and you just want to repent and get back, get right with God today's the day. Or maybe you're the person that you don't know him as your Lord and your Savior and today you want to make that decision. By your uplifted hand, just say, Brian, that's me. I want to, I want to get right with the Lord or I want to give my heart to Christ. Is there anybody in here in the, you know, that just wants to make that decision? Is there anybody at all? All right. Thank you, Father. Well, Father, we just thank you today. We thank you, Father God, for our lives that are hidden in you, Father. And just as John knew who he was, and he knew his purpose, Father, I pray that as we go from this place, Lord, that that's what will consume us. We'll be consumed with knowing you. We'll be consumed with allowing you to share who we really are and the purpose that you have called us to in this earth. I thank you that you're strengthening each and every person that sits in this room today. As they go, Father God, I pray that they will be consumed just as Paul and John in you. Not in their life, not in who they are, but in you. And Father God, we just thank you. We give you all the honor and the glory and the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen.